Hello, welcome to the Babe Bunny Podcast, where I, me, Ashley, aka Ashley Chubby Bunny, discuss sex, fashion, cannabis, and life as a rom-com protagonist living in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure to follow, subscribe, and share the pod with your homies as well as let me know what you think with a review slash comment upon completion. Hey there. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to the Bay Bunny podcast. Um, I'm really excited to start recording again, to get back in and kind of update you all on what's been going on, the various life decisions I've been making, and also find a way to incorporate um, that into the overall storytelling element. I'm not necessarily going to be just, you know, spending episodes talking about um, you know, the lovers and other situations I've had. I might still do that. I don't know. I'm just trying to fill it out right now. So one of the things that's recently changed is that I am pursuing um, my sex coaching certification. So I'm going to be using uh, this like platform to kind of do what I've already been doing, like via like... um the actual sex work I've done, but also like the, the, the panels and all of the experience I have in like the sexuality um, industry and the sex positivity sphere of trying to um, at least bring to light some topics that people might be more concerned about, might want to hear about, but also like bringing some levity to the situation because I do believe overall that sex and sexuality um is complex and all sides deserve to, you know, be shown, which a lot of times we don't have. I think it's really weird. Well, not weird. We're, start, we're starting out. We're coming in hot. No, I think it's kind of like, you know, unfortunate. There we go. That talking or about or discussing sex, especially in our public sphere, is either like catastrophized or like, you know, sensationalize. And like, I just, I feel that in order to properly understand how to, well, like who you are in terms of sex and sexuality, you have to understand the fundamentals of like, you know, what things are, how they work, but also you have to understand, um, you know, fundamentals within yourself, you know, autonomy, things like that. Like, I don't know. I, and I grew up believing that like sex kind of was just like a performance. And I know a lot of people say that, but like truly it's just kind of like you not really thinking into whether or not I'm, you know, trying to either a be open-minded to a new experience or b doing something because somebody else asked me to do it, having all of these complicated emotions go into it and not really having someone that I can run them by, you know, and to make sense of like, whether or not I want to be in a sexual situation in the first place, whether or not I want this sexual partner in the first place. And I feel like growing up, if I had had like a little bit more of like honesty with that and like, especially as a black fat femme, like, I don't know. I feel like I would have been, I would have had a shot. <laughs> um, it just kind of feels like, you know, the advice that I got growing up was like, you know, basically don't get AIDS. My mom said that and don't get pregnant. But there was never kind of any aspect of like what sexuality would look from like for me outside of that. Even like the adults in my life had an idea of what sex was for me because I remember 
uh, when I was in like middle school, me and the family were like sitting around watching TV and a commercial came on and I'm like, oh, look at this baby. The baby is cute. My mom says out loud that she thinks that I'm going to be the first one to get pregnant. And she said it like it was going to happen like soon. Like if I chose or whatever, let some boy do something to me because I'm so desperate because I'm obviously a little fat black girl that I'm going to be the first one having a kid. I could have looked too hard into that, but it made sense and it aligned with like all the other things that she would talk about when it came to sexuality in me because I truly feel like she didn't think that I would have to like navigate that or that because she assumed that my low self-esteem was from me being fat and not because of how I was being treated because I was fat, that her advice of me settling and all of these other things that she was trying to quote unquote prepare me for, like this life of less than, I think that she legitimately thought that it was helpful. And so I, you know, did what I could to supplement. We didn't really have a um, much of a sexual health education program. I grew up in Texas so um, I think what we got for the most part was a mod, like a chapter on reproduction and 10th grade biology. And we watched a birthing video and then we focused a lot on STIs. Like there was no like comprehensive um, element to it. And there was barely a kind of like, I don't know. Because other people will say, like, that's not enough. And I don't feel like it was enough either. But, like, I don't know what a biology teacher is going to teach us outside of that. But I really wish that as much time as she, like, explained to us and was, like, passionate about talking about the funeral home that she was going to purchase when she retired and talking to us about, like, preparing bodies for burial and shit like that. Like, you could have used that to- Whatever. Um, which, to this day, if I'm, like, out and, like, I kind of just don't want to really say much, I don't want to talk... But, like, I'm in a situation, especially if it's a man, um, I bring up her uh, mortician experience and, like, the stuff that she taught us. And, like, that one day she was like, I'm going to tell y'all about, you know, being a funeral home owner or some shit like that. I bring that up and tell them that I'm going either going to school for that when I was, like, a little bit younger. But now I'll just tell them that I'm doing that. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of, like, why I decided to go into sex coaching um not only because that resource was not there for me when I was younger but even like socially the messages around fat black femme um sexuality especially like if you're queer especially like it's just like it's still very much like we're being hypersexualized and dehumanized at the same time. And when people kind of try to act like they don't know what that means, it makes me upset because I'm just like, you're literally like telling me that this thing that no matter where I go, it happens. No matter what I watch, it's on there. The undertones are far reaching outside of whatever medium you think that I need to log out of in order to avoid it. Because I've had to deal with it in every aspect of my life so far. Looking me in my face and telling me that people, especially um, American society, don't find fat black women undesirable or even like human in some ways. Like you're trying to tell me that that's a lie. 
Because every time somebody says, well, it is a lie, they'll be like, a lot of people, a lot of men love big women. And I was like, I didn't ask that. I didn't say that. I said fat black women. And somebody brought up something the other day that I found like really like, okay, we're saying we're saying the quiet part out loud because I really didn't really know how to say what I needed to say. I just say in terms of settling, I'm like, oh, you want fat women to settle so bad. But the thing is, I knew that, oh, there's someone out there for everyone. Don't worry. There's people out there that will find you attractive. Like, it just kind of feels like the consolation prize when you're trying to discuss a systemic issue as opposed to, like, the complicated nature of desirability altogether. So, like, they're not mutually exclusive. But it's just kind of like if you're trying to talk about something that you're having feelings about, say, for instance, if you're having a hard time dating or you're having a hard time sexually because of the fact that you notice certain kinds of behaviors that partners think is okay to do with you or not do with you or how they treat you totally changes when y'all are alone or some shit like that right just like they kind of sometimes don't think that you have boundaries they think that you know you can um withstand them being like hurtful towards you physically like even outside and during it's just like They don't treat you like a person. And it's not like that's it's so many it's so many levels to like the whole thing that it would take up so much time to explain to somebody that truly at the most part did not want to hear about it in the first place. That's why they completely dismissed it with advice that they feel is solid because that's what we do to women. It's going to be more specifically something that we need to be able to shove off. Because if you want this thing so bad, that's what's causing the issue and the stress in the first place. Because you need to understand that that's not something you, quote unquote, are entitled to or deserve or whatever the fuck. All of these messages that people keep saying out loud to women in general, but more specifically fat women. But nobody, nobody feels the need to say this to men. To let them know that you are not entitled to love. You are not entitled to companionship. You are not entitled to sex. People don't have to love you back and like you're people don't have to find you attractive and you shouldn't force your first people to find you attractive. all the shit they say to fat black women like I don't understand why this is not being said to men because men actually murder people over this shit like men actually are just like oh you didn't acknowledge me oh like you uh, are speaking to more than one of me at the same time. Oh, like you're not completely obsessed with me. I'm airing out this entire fucking grocery store. Like, I don't get that. And I forgot her name, but like she's somebody on TikTok that brought this up a few months ago about how people treat um, fat femme attraction when like you find somebody attractive and they automatically assume that you're going to obsess over them. They assume that the crush um, or the attraction is dangerous. It's embarrassing. Like all of these things that go into when you find somebody attractive as a fat femme, like people overreacting, you know, them trying to make sure you know that if they're your friend or whatever, even when you have a male friend, they try to like put, you know, this line in the sand out the gate because, oh, you couldn't possibly be just hanging out with them. You obviously have a crush on them. Like, a la fucking Spinner and Marco and fucking Degrassi when Spinner found out that Marco was gay. Like, when Marco came out to him and all of a sudden Spinner was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, he, he, 
he looked at me too long and I have to walk backwards now. Or I, he invited me over. We're going to watch a movie. Oh, he fell asleep. Oh, his hands on me. Oh, he's standing too close to me. Like, it's just like all this shit because Spinner was so convinced that this person that had been his best friend for quite some time now, all of a sudden, because he came out to him, he must be attracted to him. Like, Spinner's like, oh, he must be attracted to me. Like, oh, wow, it's because he's gay, right? It's because he's, he must, stupid shit. And then at the end of the fucking episode, when Marco, like, fucking, like, got him together, he was, like, also, like, I don't, you're not my type. Like, you're not, I don't find you attractive because you're not my type. And it's almost as if, like, with fat women, you're not allowed to have a type. You're not allowed to, uh... You're not allowed to say no. You're not allowed to practice discernment. You're not allowed to um, basically make a decision for yourself. You're not allowed autonomy because you're supposed to be grateful that somebody either took pity on or was drunk enough to or, you know, decided that they were truly attracted to you. Like you're supposed to be appreciative and grovel at the opportunity that this person has given you to show you some kind of attention. Um, and unfortunately, because that on top of everything else that you're going through as an adolescent, as you're growing into like, you know, young adulthood as a fat black femme, that all gets mixed up with everything else that you have to deal with at that point. You're dealing with massage nor intense amounts of massage. Nor. Like I'm talking about, I clearly look like a child. I clearly look like a child and I'm walking around with my siblings in the grocery store. And there's like white people looking at me and telling me that my brother is my son. Like, sir, like, ma'am, can you get your son? Ma'am, can you get your son or whatever? Some fucking shit like that. Right? Like I remember this one, when I went home, I was about to turn 19 and I went to the deli counter in the grocery store because I was supposed to get like a specific kind of ham for the dinner. My mom asked me to and I got to chatting with the fucking like uh, the deli guy and um, he's like trying to math together how how old I was when I had my brother because I told him that I was coming home and it is my birthday and then he asked how old my brother was. But he didn't say brother. He said, how old is he? And I said how old he was. And then this, literally, he was like, oh, so that means that you were like 11 when you had him? And I was like, excuse me? And that's like something that I remember when I was younger thinking like, who do I say, like, who do I say, talk to about this? Like, how do I like, like, this is not okay. Like, what the fuck? So, and then on top of that, you're dealing with like the severe anti-blackness of it all. Um, and... You know, but that's coinciding with, you know, puberty and you, you know, understanding what currency looks like in terms of social situations and relationships and connections. And when you find out that, like, you know, you just being yourself isn't enough because of X, Y and Z, you kind of like start to figure out, like, what can be used to your benefit in order to, I guess, or like circumvent uh, what you assume is like, oh, I just have to be like, I just have to be talented enough. I just have to be useful enough. I just have to be like, whatever the fuck. If I can't be pretty, if I can't be considered pretty, if I can't be thin at this moment, I'm gonna have to try to find something else. Um, and I'm not saying that that's purely a fat black femme issue, duh. But 
it's something that y'all don't like to acknowledge when anybody brings it up. That's a fat black fam. You'll be like, well, all women go through that. I'm like, really? Is that the majority of your relationships as like a young adult? Like, did that fully, you know, make the foundation of what you assume was an acceptable relationship because socially and systematically that's acceptable and encouraged? Like, we actually have like jokes written into all of the fucking media we consume about how undesirable and desperate fat black women are supposed to be. There was an entire fucking show. I loved that show. But the premise of that show was that there was a fat black woman that we're all just to assume is undesirable and unattractive because this one specific man doesn't want her. And they ran that show multiple seasons with that being the fucking premise. Like, we get it. You know, we're not stupid. You don't think, you know. But the thing is, is that unfortunately, when that coincides with, you know, misogyny, patriarchy, and all these other things, it becomes this like hotbed of, you know, essay and um, having sexual experiences that are unfulfilling or, you know, just kind of feeling like it's, supposed to happen to you and not with you and that's kind of what my early sexual years were was just me trying to figure out how sex was supposed to work I knew it felt good I knew I liked it I remember distinctively being like that's what my pussy do." like I was just like I was just stoked you know but I started to notice that I wasn't having the kind of sex that I wanted to have and the kind of sex that I had been writing about and fantasizing about and all this other shit. And like, since I was like in fucking, you know, middle school. So it was just like, I don't know. It just became apparent. Like when I would like literally reach out to my parents that they had no idea how to fucking have this conversation with me. I talked to my dad about it. Well, no, I talked to my mom about it first and she and my dad are the reason why I became a severe hypochondriac. Um, like, I don't want to get, well, I don't know. So I'll get that. I'll get to that later. But basically when I talked to my mom about, you know, sex and shit like that, I was in college already and I was just like at my wits end. It just kind of felt like, you know, I was not prepared. I felt that I wasn't prepared. So I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and just ask my mom, like, maybe this is something that, you know, will bring us closer together. And it couldn't have been the worst. Like, like she was like, oh, sex is something that is very special. And it's one of the few times in your life that someone else is going to be inside of you. And I was like, okay. So if anybody's wondering (laughs) where that, like the the direction of that conversation went. That's what happened. We were in and out in 10 minutes because that was weird. And then with my dad, I talked to him about how I felt that once I was like having sex, like I was trying to be like more like discreet about it. But I was just like, I feel like, you know, men only want one thing for me or whatever the fuck. Right. And he was like, exactly. They only want that cookie. And like, you need to read this book by Steve Harvey called, uh, act like a lady, think like a man. And I was just like, this is the worst. <laughs> this is the fucking worst. Like, 
And I know looking back, like that was a dumb decision to ask either one of them about that. And I could have found other resources, but I truly didn't know how to. I grew up in a very like, it wasn't necessarily a sex negative household, but there were a lot of weird kind of like, like connotations about sex that were like not secret. It was like a passive aggressive, weird aversion to talking about sex, acknowledging sexuality. Um, I'm talking about like turning off the TV or changing the channel when there are like homosexuals on it, like homosexuals, homosexual. Like I'm talking about, <laughs> it was very hush hush, you know, which is odd because I grew up in a naked house, but like it's, it was very hush hush about like, oh, this is a, this is a normal part of life for some people. And this is how to navigate that. And it was also very reactionary. No, it was, everything was on a need to know basis. And so it kind of just like, but then when the need to know happened, it was just like, okay, so they're coming in and they're catastrophizing this and they're like traumatizing me. And now I have no idea what to do, but I'm still having sex because I'm still having urges and I'm still wanting to like have these experiences for myself. Like, it just became evident that I had no idea what I was doing. I was in over my head. I had racked up so much in medical debt because all I did was go around and get tested for everything I possibly could. I was spending so much time in, like, forums and chat rooms. And I was, like, it was just so much because I didn't have (laughs) a proper fucking sexual like health education and I did not have a proper sexual debut so it's just kind of like and when I say proper I mean like it was just it was the the information given was dismissive and the experience itself was non-consensual and I'm just gonna leave it there um but it's just kind of like that's kind of what I went into the world with. That's what I went on campus with. And that's what I like got into my relationships with. And that's how I learned what kind of sex I didn't want to have and who I was sexually and what things I like to do and how to take responsibility and take care of myself and like form decisions and, and all these other things. Like I always took full responsibility for what I was doing um, because of the fact that I knew that I was participating. And that's the thing earlier on, Like I said, it felt like it was something that was just supposed to happen to me as opposed to me participating. And once I started becoming a more active participant, not that I wasn't doing anything, but it was just kind of like, oh, this is for this person. But once I got more like involved and engaged and started noticing things I didn't like and started noticing how to speak up for myself and like things like that, like it got a lot harder to find partners that actually knew how to have sex, like in a successful and exciting or you know sensual way it was just like it's very evident that you can tell how much porn and what kind of porn your partner watches based on how they try to have sex with you so yeah and then when I came to New York I was a little bit more free to well, not free. I feel like in Denton, I was still, I was a part of like a really small queer community and we live in a bubble on campus, but not mu- that much of a bubble. It was still fucking Denton, Texas. Um, but I think when I got to New York, that's kind of when I felt a little bit more comfortable in my sexuality. And I started hanging out around a lot of people that were more open and discussing um, sex and sexuality in a matter of fact way, as opposed to, like I said before, sensationalizing it and or catastrophizing it. So... 
that was like brewing for a while. And then I ended up working at the dungeon and I was around like everybody. <laughs> like it was a very formative experience in my life. And I love that I did it. And I love the people that I met there and things like that. Um, but that's also where I kind of was just, I started to feel a little bit more confident. I know, I know, I know, but it's true. <laughs> um, I felt a little bit more confident in um, being more sexually present, especially when it came, you know, and being more honest and being more assertive. Because at this point, I'm starting to ask myself weird questions out loud. Like, why would you want this to happen to your body if you don't want it to happen to your body? <laughs> like, do you really want to like keep running back and forth to the fucking like clinic and like your doctor and like the, the gyno every few months because some person that lied to you or whatever the fuck like doesn't care about your health? Are you really willing to go through another panel off of some whack ass dick? Like it was starting to become like apparent that me trying to have safer sex was what the issue was for a lot of these people. Like me wanting to have a completely like, you know, like equitable situation. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, me and Ariel talked about, like we talked about all the time about like sex equity. Like it, it's, it's a thing. And so like sexual equity and like, they didn't like that. They didn't want to, like, see me as a person. They didn't want to talk to me first. They didn't want to, like, even share their test results. I've never slept with somebody that volunteered their test results before. I had to ask for them. I'm always the person that asks. And that's wild because I've been having sex since I was 18. And, like, it's it's that I've never had a man up front be like, okay, so this is the last time I was tested, da 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 when was the last time you were tested? They don't even ask me the last time I was tested. And I know it's because they assume that I'm not having sex. I know it's because they assume that they don't have to worry about catching anything from me because who's fucking me anyway, right? Um, it just feels, and it, I could be wrong, but there's just like, like this overall sense of like irresponsibility that I can't fuck with. And I noticed that if it was like a person that wasn't really into me like that, like that's how I started noticing the difference between whether or not this person wants to have sex or this person wants to have sex with me. There's all of these levels to having a sexual experience. And I really wish that when I was younger, somebody would have at least sat me down and been realistic about it as opposed to trying to set me up for a life of less than like my mom and everybody else, you know, has been doing for the longest time. And so I feel that with my sex coaching, I want to be able to provide that same, like I want to provide something a little different in terms of this is focusing on your sexual development because this is a very unique experience. Um, and it's like, it, you have to, like it's some things are like very embarrassing to talk about some things are very shameful to talk about but it is like something that I wish that somebody had talked to me about while I was growing up so I could understand that I deserved to you know be a part of a sexual experience as much as anybody else but also if I am a part of a sexual experience I deserve to be pleasured as well like I deserve to be considered as well like it doesn't make any sense to just let people have sex with my body 
and like let people masturbate inside of me, which is what I fully understood what that shit was when I was younger as I got older. And then I would ask these outrageous ass questions to these men if the shit happened still after I had done all the vetting, after I had asked all the questions, after I did all the shit that I thought I was supposed to do and somehow would end up in the same situation. I would then ask those weird ass questions like, oh, did you just want to have sex with a hole? Oh, like, are you are you aware that you just masturbated inside of me? All that I didn't finish. I didn't finish. I didn't finish. And then like the whole setting the boundary of being like, I'm not going to suck dick until I finish first because I know I'm good at that. I don't give a fuck. I know that. But the thing is, is outside of that, you have now finished. You weren't honest about your refractory period. You weren't honest about, you know, how you have sex. So this is happening. You're getting to experience this first. And then all of a sudden you're tucked out. All of a sudden you can't get hard anymore. All of a sudden you don't understand that penetration isn't the only way to have sex. Now you need a nap. Now you're tired. Now you have to go to the gym. All this other shit that I started noticing. And I was just like, no, we're not doing that. And the amount of arguments and men that have screamed at me because of that, you would have thought I told them that I wasn't going to suck their dick. I literally just said, I'm not doing that until I finish first. I don't see the problem. As far as I'm concerned, that means we're having more sex. But anyway, I just feel that there's entirely too much going against um, fat black femme sexuality and I'm tired of it being layered in trauma. I'm tired of it being layered in theatrics and comical relief. I'd rather have a place where you can at least have, you know, someone talk to you about what to expect, how to navigate problems, how to navigate, even if you don't have problems, figure out a way to have the sex life that you want as opposed to like just selling for the sex life that you can get. And that's basically the premise of why I've shared so much on my Instagram, across my pages, while, you know, why I've done a lot of advocacy work. Like, I am very much here for pleasure-based sexual health education. Like, I don't see a way out of it. Sex is not like something that has to happen to us every month, like our period. Um, And even if you don't have a period, like, it's not something that biologically is like, you know, happening on a loop. And so I think that once we start to see outside of that, because like you, you then, even if you have to say it in a weird way, you have to understand that when you are having sex with somebody, like you are there and whatever is happening to you, you are there and you should be able to have the choice to not be there. (laughs) You should be able to have autonomy in the situation Like, as far as we're all concerned, like, if you don't have autonomy during sex, that is not sex. But it's just, like, showing that there's options out there that don't include you settling for what you can get. That don't include you being like, I guess because we're in a relationship, I have to have sex. Because that was my first relationship, and it fucking sucked. (laughs) Um, And when I started actually having sex that I wanted to have, it was with my best friend in college, and that was amazing. (laughs) Because I always wanted to have sex with him. So it's just, like... And like the thing was too, a lot of people still think that, that if you're married to somebody, if you had a baby with them, if you were ever in a relationship with them, or if you're currently in a relationship with them, you have to have sex with them. And 
I to this day they be arguing about it. So that's weird. Like I think that's fully weird as somebody who dealt with that before. And so um I just feel that there has to be another way. <laughs> it does require a lot of different kinds of um well like it does require a little bit more sensitivity and it does require a little bit more vulnerability, but I kind of want to take all my experience and the research I've done and all of the work that I've like put out and just basically streamline it into a cohesive (laughs) coaching situation. Of course, it's going to be personalized, you know, per client, but I really would rather it be something with a focus on fat femmes. If it can be a focus on fat black femmes, just them, that's fine. But I do get a lot of like other fat femmes in my like inbox um asking questions and stuff like that like and they're not all black so i would like i'll keep it open for that (laughs) um but it is gonna be a focus on fat femme sexuality and that's my little spiel (laughs) about that i'm really excited because at first i was like why can't i just do this you know by itself but i'm like no like i really want this certification i really want for us to have this kind of resource because it's not enough to act like the same kind of like advice and the same kind of experiences and the same kind of affirmations, you know, could work in every situation. And this is a demographic that I truly feel has been like um, ignored for the longest time in more ways than one. And this is unfortunately one of those ways. And that's why we're ending up in situations that are traumatizing because we don't necessarily have, like guidance for our personal situations we're more we're like we're susceptible to a violence off top and it's just kind of like you need to be able to not only understand what you want and understand you know how things work but you have to understand that like regardless of whether or not this person um wants this to happen it's only gonna happen if you want it to And it's not something that you need to do to show somebody you like them. It's not something that you need to like fucking do as an obligation to your partner, whatever the fuck. And, you know, it's not something that you need to do to prove that you're a woman. It's something that like fully has to involve whether or not you actually want to do it. And that's literally how I approach anything that has to do with another person. Like, do I want to do this? Like, why do, why does this person feel like I owe them something? Like, It doesn't make any sense to me. So that's kind of how I approach that because of the fact that like, regardless of whether or not you like agree with it, like we both have to agree to show up. Like that's how that's supposed to work. Um, Okay. So moving on. Um, I don't know why that happened, (laughs) but I wanted to talk about um, something that I've been noticing on Twitter lately that I feel is corny, that is lame, that is boo, boo, tomato, tomato, um, which is the rise of sex workers using um, fat phobia, amongst other things, to create a quote-unquote hit or viral tweet in order to get traffic to um, their pages. Now, I... It's something that happens a lot in ter- when other niggas do it. Like, they're like, oh, like, I need more followers or whatever the fuck. So they'll just tweet something controversial. They'll know everybody will get upset about it. They'll know people will be talking about it for days even. And um, 
you know, they got the engagement they wanted. They get chewed up or whatever the fuck. They try to pretend like they didn't tweet it or that they're not bothered by the backlash. And then they move on because they got their followers. Um, they were able to get the traffic they needed to their site or whatever the fuck. But what I have been noticing, which is interesting because a lot, it coincides with a lot of fucking like, you know, online sex workers talking about how shit's looking rough out here. So I'm connecting the dots. Um, also, there's issues going on with OnlyFans. So basically, um, these people are getting on here and tweeting like like shitty dialogue and, and shaming, you know, single mothers. And But more specifically, they're all kind of like hitting a lick off of talking about fat women and being fat and how it's gross and, and all this other shit. And they can talk about it if they want to and all this other shit so that they get the traffic to a little fuck-ass Twitter so you can go to their fuck-ass OnlyFans. And not only is that, like, so, like, that is so loser, right? But it's, like, I don't understand how people don't get that, like, that's what people are doing. And not, like, oh, they're doing it, leave it alone. I don't understand how people that recognize that for what it is aren't annoyed with that. And, like, aren't trying to at least keep it from happening because they're more upset that fat people are upset. They're more upset that other people are upset about this. Because you're supposed to just, oh, I don't understand why I can't say. Like, we're in, it's 2023. I think that that kind of, like, doesn't, like, you have to try something else. You have to try something else. You, it can't just be, I, why can't I say what I want? Why can't I do what I want online? It can't just be that anymore. Because y'all be doing that over the dumbest shit, over the most violent shit, and it's never some shit that, like, you actually want to talk about or need to talk about. It's always some dumbass shit like this. It's always talking about, oh, um, women, uh, like, it's always some dumbass shit. And, like, to the point where now we're in the cycle, the part of the cycle where people make the same memes and the same tweets about how you need to wrap this shit up by Friday. We talk about this every few months, give it a rest, all this other shit. Somebody bring up a fucking, why don't you kiss the people you fucking conversation every two months? Like, and here's my conundrum with that, right? I'm just going to take a tiny aside. The reason why that question bothers me is because I am somebody that has an issue with kissing. And it's not because I particularly find it gross. It's because of the fact that my first relationship was with somebody that was a terrible kisser. He had a fake tooth. And on top of that, he would force himself, like he would force me to kiss him. And I absolutely hated it. Now, when I got out of that relationship... I noticed that there were other men that were bad kissers. And I was like, no, I don't like this. Because I didn't know how to tell them they were a bad kisser. And I didn't want it to continue. So I just kind of was just like, okay, I'll to get out of the way. I'll just remember. <laughs> I'll just remember what uh, Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman said. And like not, you know, no kissing on the mouth. I kind of just like adopted that because I was just like, I don't want to get around trying to explain why I don't want to kiss you on the mouth. I'll just be like, no, I don't kiss on the mouth. Because I just, there's something about a bad kiss that just drives me the fuck up. And yeah, part of it is the fucking trauma. But it's just like, if you're a bad kisser, I'm not going to try to like continue with whatever the rest is going on. Now, I can either hear about how that's fucked up or, you know, 
how dare you? Or I can hear about how that's weird and how, oh, why wouldn't you kiss somebody? Da, 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 da. Maybe I didn't want to do things with them that involved kissing. Maybe we didn't like, because sometimes they won't kiss me. Um, but I understood what I was doing and I understood that that was one last thing that I would have to worry about, especially if it was going to pull me out of the moment. So I really think it's weird that trying to look into something, like whatever. <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid. But anyway, um, these little fucking like dumbass like black Twitter conversations really like they really thrive off of fat phobia and colorism and featureism and all this other shit. So if you have any kind of tweets that involve those and, you, and uh, you're like sitting in a car with like a hat on um, or you're like in the bathroom with a dirty mirror or you're holding stacks of money or you have like hella filters on, like you do know that you have a hit tweet on your hands. So, when you put, you know, I know you don't want to seem too desperate. So you don't put the OnlyFans link on there. But people are still going to come to your page because they try to drag you for having the OnlyFans link. And that's when I put it together. Is that, like, you heifers are, like, struggling. And in order to get that traffic up, you need to rely on Old Faithful. Everybody loves making fun of fat people. And people think it's ridiculous that you can't. So to get your little hit tweet off and get your little fucking shit up for the month, you got to sit up here and unprovoked, like, tell people how you feel about fat people or come specifically at fat people or post a picture or say something fucked up. And then go and retreat and try to act like that's just, it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard that somebody would have an issue with that. Because now you know the niggas that hate fat bitches, the other people that hate fat bitches are coming to your page and oh, she has an OnlyFans. And it's, it's tired and it's corny and it's some loser shit. Like ridiculous. Yet you're the one that has a problem with us having a problem with it. Like, that makes no sense at all. And then people will be like, oh, just ignore it. Just ignore it. And just like that girl that had to deal with all these, like, uh, women in, in her inbox and in her niggas' inbox trying to brush up on him because people don't think they should be together because she looked the way she do and he looked the way he do. Um, she said that people all the time tell her that she needs to ignore it. And then she said something very profound about that along the lines of, like, let me find it. Let me pull it up. Because she can say it better than I can. Because it truly is the point. Like, I'm tired of people trying to act like, oh, yeah, if you just ignore it, you know, it'll go away. And it's like, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. Um, That's definitely not how socialization works either. So it says, I posted that photo with all the horrible things people have said to me on one post that's been up for just over a week. Some people still find it necessary to say things like ignore them. Don't shed light on negativity. Move on. Although I know these comments aren't coming from a malicious place and that the commenters want nothing but the best for me, I still have to wonder how we justify silencing people who are talking about the hurt and the abuse they receive. This is like she woke the fuck up. I also understand that I am a place at a place where a lot of you find positivity, hope and laughter after a long day. And that post likely didn't bring the I'm sorry, likely didn't bring you those things. But in order for me to be authentic, which is why I think a lot of you are here. I need to feel like I can share the good and the bad with you all. 
I think it's also important to know that I don't necessarily share the negativity because I'm upset or bothered. I share because some of you have fat people in your lives that experience this. And I think it's so important to know how serious this is. The people who think that it's okay to write these things are in our lives. And when I talk about it and you share it, it sets the tone that we won't be putting up with it for ourselves and for the people we love. I can't be always the source of uh, sunshine and rainbows, all things positive, wonderful, motivational, because that's not real. I share the ugly because it's a reality, not because it's getting to me, not because it got views, not because that's what my content's going to be always about. I'm not only here to make your day or entertain you. I'm a whole ass human being that experiences all ends of the spectrum of life. And this is my safe place to share that. I understand why people think creators choose negativity. The truth is negativity gets views. Look at the engagement on that post compared to my others. Look at the TikToks of mine that go viral. I don't control views and virality. Society and the audience does. All I know for sure is ignoring the behavior doesn't make it go away. But addressing it sure lets people know that they are not alone and it won't be tolerated. I want to be clear. I'm not upset at the people who say move on, etc. I simply think we've been taught to ignore shitty behavior online when there's no way we'd accept it in real life. As for the bullies online, I have so much empathy for people. I understand why they think those things. There is nothing they can say to me online that I haven't said to myself, but that doesn't make it okay. I don't have an answer as to how we fix it. I just know that asking people to ignore it, be quiet and move on most definitely isn't it. I'm super grateful for the people who com- commented and validated my feelings, who thanked me for showing up and shared their own stories. And thank you for choosing to be here through the bad days. I know my role in a lot of your lives is to relieve you of yours. So I appreciate you allowing me to have mine publicly. Yeah, like that's like, that's what I mean. Because there's only so much you can ignore because it's literally a systemic issue it's a socially agreed upon behavior and people continue to do it because they see no consequence for it they see no incentive to change and so it's just kind of like now they're doing it for marketing now they're doing it to drive traffic to their struggling failing ass you know mini cams whatever the fuck shit like they're doing that because that brings all the people that can connect and thrive and bust a nut off of that shared like behavior can find a place to go do that at like and I think that that's so like that is so desperate and that is so pathetic and I really wish that not only we'll be able to see that for what it is but to make fun of it to make to call it out like how dare you like as a like a first like As a previous sex worker myself, I'm just like, there's no possible way we could be doing all this. Like, there's no way. And I don't judge sex work, but we have to be realistic about the situation. Like, if you're, like, shitting on people, pissing on people, vomiting on people, I just want to get out of the way. If you're, like, showing pussy for money and all those other things, you're showing whole, love. You're showing whole. I don't understand the superiority complex and being like, well, at least I'm not fat. That's all I have to say because I like it just that doesn't make any sense to me. None of it makes sense to me. But here we are. Um, 
I just wanted to bring attention to that because I've noticed that in the past like week or so, it's become a little bit more like intentional and intense. And I know it's coinciding with a lot of like online sex workers having a difficult time right now. Like the numbers aren't there. I get it. But this ain't the way to do it. Like there's so many like workshops that these girls provide. There's so many, you know, guides and books and, and resources and YouTubes and, and videos and courses like you could be doing that. Instead of doing this dumbass like shit of being like, aren't fat people gross? (laughs) And then like having everybody come, stop, stop, Laquandria, stop, you so crazy, girl. Like, what? If you needed the traffic, just say so. If you needed the subscriptions, just ask. Do you know how many people I see on my fucking feed that are like asking people? To sign up for subscriptions, giving away free trials, uh, giving away discounted. Like, that's how they be doing that shit. You don't have, like, if this is the way you need to do it, you need to, you need to reassess your marketing plan. Like, you need to go ahead and figure out uh, what your KPIs are and how to fix that. Because it's not working, obviously. If you got to do this shit every week and a half to get your fucking numbers up. You fucking loser. So, <laughs> I just want to get that out of the way because I'm, I'm tired of it. It's so stupid. Uh, so, I just wanted to discuss that to kind of, like, throw it out there. It's, it's ridiculous. And I don't understand how people are still trying to act like the quote-unquote fake outrage or people are overreacting. And it's just, like, that's not how any of this works. I don't understand, like, why, as a fat person you're just expected to either put up with this dumbass shit, like actual like systemic violence and marginalization or just die. Like even like the fucking like that. I'm not going to say his name because whatever the fuck, but like that boy got on his shit. He like showed a picture of some plus size male mannequins inside of like a department store. He's like, Oh my God, the agenda is so fucking real. Oh my God. And it's just like, so what are fat, so fat people supposed to just walk around naked, right? I mean, but it's just, you're going to die. Okay, so like, so what clothes should I wear? I'm just saying diabetes. Okay, so like, what clothes should I wear? Because I still have to go outside. What is the problem? Why do I have to put up with this until I get skinny enough for y'all to stop. Like, I'm not understanding all of the words that keep happening and people trying to come back with statistics and try to come back with blood work and try to come back with anecdotes. It really doesn't matter. These people do not fucking care. They, they're so, we have this conversation every day. Literally every day, somebody is sitting here talking about their blood work, talking about working out, talking about what they eat. And it's just like, girl, they don't care. The problem is that you're still fat. That's their problem. And the earlier that you realize that, the the less, like, like, obligated you'll feel to literally explain your health history to a goddamn stranger so that you get treated like a person. What part of that makes sense to you? They're not going to care regardless. It's literally about making you feel like shit until you just, like, perform Harry Carey in the street or just go inside and never get seen again until you come out as a thin person. That's it. 
They would rather you sit there in front of them and cut the pieces of fat off of your body in front of them rather than you just be a fat person and expect to be treated like a human. I don't see a way around that. And they de- it's definitely not going to involve you trying to explain that you jog five times a week. They don't care. So I'm just, I'm just like over it at this point. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but to wrap up <laughs> this episode, um, I will be doing a lot, experimenting a lot um, with the format this season. Um, it's the same season. It's not over yet. Season one's not over yet. We just had a hiatus. Um, um, I ended up working and <laughs> it took up a lot of time, but um now I have a little bit more free time to come back to this and I really want to incorporate my sex coaching certification journey into it as well as have some experts come on the show some friends um obviously the topics will be varying I'm going to be talking about current events I'm going to be talking about um you know sex and sexuality and also I will be addressing topics that I have been receiving, um, you know, in my DMs, my email, um, because I do really want to use that to talk about like things that people still need answers about. And one of those before we get out of here is someone asked, hold on one second. The one that I want to go over is somebody said that they want to be able to communicate exactly what they want. So that is a perfect way to start off and um, end this uh, episode and start off this series. So being able to communicate what you want during sex, like I said before, is fundamental because you have to understand that the only reason why the sex is happening is because you both are there. And you have to understand that you are not obligated to share your body with this person and you are not obligated to um, just let them do to you what they feel like they want to do. I don't understand how to compromise during sex, especially if it's something that I don't want to do because, um, you know, like our good Charlotte York said during that episode where she was with that guy that had that golden retriever, and they were like, oh, everything is perfect. Your relationship is perfect. And she was like, yeah, but he wants a blowjob and I just don't like doing it. And they were trying to like, like ask her why. And she was like, I just don't. Blah, 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 blah. And they were like, okay. But he would like push her head down and try to get her to do it. And then she basically finally told him that she didn't want to. And then he kept trying to get around it and be like, well, what if you try it just a little bit? Blah, 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 and maybe you'll like it. And then she was like, would you really want me to do something that I didn't want to do? And then, like, after that, he just kept trying. But, like, I was just like, I don't understand why the conversation didn't stop there. You really do have to ask yourself, would I really want my sexual partner to do something that I didn't want to do so that I could get off? Because that's the only reason why you asked them to do it. So that you could get off. So it's just kind of like, when you have to, when you understand, like, fundamentally how sex with another person or other people is supposed to work you have to understand that first and foremost you have to want to be there there's no there's no situation without that 
And on top of that, you have to understand that it is not just like, a, oh, I'll do this and then you do that and I'll do this and do it. You have to actually want to do what you're doing. There's no point in like being like, okay, like we've, 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 we've normalized the whole like, oh, I don't like giving anal, but like I'll do it on his birthday and I don't like sucking dick, but I'll do it on special occasions. And it's, it's, it's not your anniversary or anniversary yet. Why are you doing that? And all this other shit, like fully have accepted that women make jokes and it's funny to talk about doing sexual acts. They don't want to do for their male partners just because it's a special occasion for their male partners or just because it's a special occasion in general. Like, is that not weird? Because anal is a little bit more involved than that. Giving head's a little bit more involved than that. It's not like you're going to get like a vaccination. You're literally having somebody. I mean, that was probably. <laughs> that probably wasn't like. But like, you're literally having somebody put something in your butt. Like, why would that be something you're like to even go through that, right? To be like, yeah, I'm only doing this because it's his birthday. I know it fucking sucks. I know it's painful. And I know that he has no idea what he's doing, but I'm going to do this because it's our anniversary. Like, I'm going to let him put his penis in my mouth because we're on vacation or whatever the fuck shit is. Like, that's weird. So, like, also think about it yourself. Would you want somebody to do something that you don't like that they didn't want to do in order for you to get off? Like, would you really be okay with your partner, like, doing something that they've already let you know that they don't like to do in order for you to get off? Especially if they say, like, oh, I don't want to when y'all get to the situation. That's the first part. The second part is, of course, um, you're going to have to do research. And I'm not talking about, like, oh, how to talk. Because, like, of course you can do that. But I'm also saying that, like, you know, read, you know, fantasy novels Read romance novels, read smut, read Wattpad, read, you know, liter- Clitorotica or Literotica, you know, read, um, you know, write down your fantasies out, you know, practice saying them out loud, um, you know, watch porn that, you know, appeals to you and figure out a way to rehearse saying what you want out loud. Sometimes you don't know what you want if you haven't seen it. And you're like, oh, I'll try to, like, you know, I'll try to do that next time. Sometimes you don't know how to talk about what you want if it's hard for you to say it. If you haven't said some, seen somebody else say it, heard somebody else say it. It's a matter of like, okay, if I'm working my way up to saying what I, you know, want during sex, I need to be comfortable with it actually like, like coming out of my mouth. I have to be able to say it. So if you have to rehearse it even, um, just, you know, do that. Because I know people think that sex is supposed to be like spontaneous or whatever, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can go in there and be like, hey, so I have something in mind. And even if it's like you have a planned, you know, session in mind, like how is that not sexy? Especially if you have an idea of what what, what you want to do and you have an idea how to communicate it. And then also, if it's like a thing where you're at the partner, um, it can be a part of foreplay. You can kind of be like, okay, um, this is a part. Because like, also saying what you want is very sexy. So, you know, talking to your partner, texting them, um, you know, when y'all cuddling, whatever the hell, be like, I like this. Or like, you know, try to find a way to say it or y'all are kind of like in the midst of even just hanging out sometimes. It doesn't have to be a sexual situation. You can just ask, hey, what are some things that you like? 
what do you like to do? Like talk about the last time y'all had sex and ask like how this person felt during it and what they liked. And, you know, sometimes ask what they didn't like and try to ask like, you know, what's something they would like. Cause that's a good way to also see your partner, um, whether or not they can communicate what they want. And like y'all can both become comfortable and create that trust and that vulnerability to be able to share what you want. Cause it does require a certain amount of vulnerability. And that could be one of the reasons why people, um, aren't really comfortable with it because it does require <laughs> quite a bit of vulnerability, but it's just a matter of like practicing researching, but ultimately, um, being comfortable enough and vulnerable enough to be able to communicate that with your partner. And it doesn't always have to be within the sexual situation. It can completely be outside of it and it can just be like a regular conversation. So that when y'all do go into the sexual situation, if you want to bring it up again, you can because that's still sexy. And this person now has even more of, you know, they have even more of a heading going into, um, you know, what y'all are about to do. They may even do it without you asking because you they now know what you like. Maybe they've done research themselves. Maybe they can't wait to show you that they're good at it already or that they're excited to like do that with you. It's just a matter of like, of course, communication, but also three, you have to ask yourself, if you're afraid to communicate with this person about what you need, why you fucking them? I know I said the thing about kissing. I know I said that earlier. I'm working on that. I'm talking about letting somebody inside you, you being on top of someone, you, you rubbing up against them. <laughs> You sharing your body because like if you don't feel like you can communicate with them about what you want sexually, but they can communicate with you about what they want sexually. Why are you having sex with them? Because it's you need your needs met. That should be a part of it unless. Well, no, there is no unless because even sometimes when one person is not supposed to get off and like that's it's, it's, sometimes that's even usually agreed upon if that's what's supposed to happen. That's the thing. But like any sexual situation you go into and you don't feel fulfilled, you don't feel satisfied, you don't feel like it was successful for you, like just ask yourself, why can't I communicate that to my partner? Why can't I let them know I didn't finish? Why can't I let them know that it makes me uncomfortable that they don't want to wear a condom? Why can't I let them know that when they do this specific thing, you know, it hurts? Things like that. So you're going to be asking yourself a lot more questions then, like, I guess you're used to. Um, and you can write it down in a journal. You can write it down in your notes app. Like, but it is starting to have the conversation about centering yourself in your sexual relationships and trying to figure out, okay, what is that supposed to look like if I want it to look, you know, equitable? What does that look like for me? You know? And that's a place that you operate from. Because literally just going into a situation and, like, and hoping it works out, like, I don't know, winging it during sex is fun, but realistically, because the sexual equity isn't there, you're going to have to communicate some, like, something. And if that person doesn't make it to where you feel safe enough or, you know, comfortable enough or whatever the fuck, like, that's when, you, that's when some other conversations need to come after. But it's really ultimately what kind of sexual experience do you want to have what kind of partner are you comfortable with attracted to and things like that how does that all mesh well and how do y'all both get the absolute best out of this experience if that's what you're looking for so that's where that's how I would approach it because honestly the whole like well if he like no no 
I wouldn't, I don't see a point in compromising during sex unless that's something that y'all both are into. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yes. Uh, and that's that. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I fully enjoyed um, coming back and and getting back to recording and, and I'm really excited to share my sex uh, coach certification journey with you and um, I also am going to take this time to kind of throw out there that I will be doing like mini sex coaching sessions because of course I'm trying to build a rapport and try to find out which kind of style works best for me so if you are interested in a mini session um, DM me on Instagram it's AshleyTubbyBunnyXOXO um, just to kind of like you know get things going um, I'm kind of practicing alongside my journey as well so yeah because I already, I already also do this, but I do want to get a little bit more experience, of course. And along with the certification, I just want to be able to make sure that I get a process down. And yeah, that's, that's kind of it. So thank you so much and enjoy the rest of yours. Bye.